1: Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, I'm excited because I'm going to do a special edition just specifically on one group of people that we would like to share the gospel with. Now, before we get into that, I just want to thank everyone, and please, if you can, subscribe to the Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel, as well as the one you're hearing right now. That is the Good Fight radio show, because we want to share with you all of the teachings. We are putting together five different podcast shows a week on this channel, and I don't want you to miss any of those. So make sure that you subscribe, and also click on that bell that says notifications. Ding, ding, ding. I guess I gave you a click, click, click. Let's give a ding, ding, ding on that bell so you don't miss anything going on here at Good Fight Ministries and that you can catch up with whatever we are working on, as well as Don't forget, you can email us, contact at goodfight.org, and get a question into us. If it's something, hey, I'd love for this to be talked about on a show. Specifically, we try to do our best to get to as many of those as possible. And this is one of those subjects that we love to talk about. And it's something that we try to bring up, you know, periodically as well. And we have episodes that you can go to. On our Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel, you can go and see three surahs that Christians should know on an interview that we sat down with an Islamic expert, Dr. David Wood, concerning the three verses that every Christian should know from the Quran in order to be able to address Muslims with their own book. And so, I want to talk a little bit about different ways that we can share the gospel with our Muslim neighbor, because right now, as I record this, and over the next couple of weeks after this, they will be celebrating Ramadan until May 12th. And I have a heart uh, for sharing the gospel with my Muslim neighbor, and I want to say that because... One of the things I think that can happen for so many people, I've shared with this that exactly the sit-down we had with David Wood, talking with people about knowing certain surahs and knowing certain things about what Muslims believe in order to share with them. And we had multiple comments and people writing emails and so forth to us. Why would I ever want to know anything? They're the devil. Okay, that's fine. But such were some of you when it comes to the things that you've believed and practiced. And I was once a God-hating atheist, agnostic, and so forth. And I praise God that somebody didn't say, oh, why would anyone want to share the gospel with that demon? Uh, I praise God that somebody actually did did share the gospel with me. So we want to recognize where we were in our standing with Christ before we came to him so that we're able to share with our neighbors and, and so forth, where we're able to share with those who have been blinded by Satan, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. So these are things that are really, really important to me and near and dear to my heart. And specifically, I want to tell you guys that it is because of those who practice Islam that I became, I believe, the evangelist that I am today, the person out sharing the gospel, caring about knowing the doctrine that I believe and so forth, because I was challenged over and over again by Muslims. And that is because when we first started, when I, as you guys who have been involved with Good Fight Radio Show or 511 News or one of our podcast shows or even listen to a sermon I've done here at Blessed Hope Chapel, you might have heard that I was an atheist slash agnostic, whatever you want to label me as, before I came to faith, and it was the video, They Sold Their souls to Rock and Roll, that, that I gave my life to Christ after watching, made by Pastor Joe Schimmel of Good Fight Ministries. And then after that, I began attending the church that he pastors, not knowing when I watched that video who he was or where he was or that he was a pastor, but I began attending the church. Church, because I was new, Uh, I came to Christ, and my friends said, "Hey, that's the pastor of the church that I go to. Let's go." So I began being discipled by him very quickly. Right after that, and he invited me out. It took a few months, but he invited me out to go out to the streets of Santa Monica and share the gospel on Third Street Promenade, and that's exactly what I did. I went down there with my friends, and I became addicted to sharing the gospel. That started in about August of 2009, and I would say that there are very few, if any if any, Fridays and even some Saturdays that we missed going out to share the gospel on the streets. And I tell you guys this, and this is my heart's passion, that if you go out and share your gospel, share the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you go out and share, I do believe it will microwave your faith. It is the quickest way to go from, I'm sitting at the pews, I'm listening to this, I'm actually walking in the will of God. I'm doing exactly what he wants me to do. I'm I'm following the command that Jesus gave the disciples at the end of Matthew chapter 28. And I'm going out and I'm preaching the gospel to every creature. And so you're already doing that. You know you're walking in the will of the Lord because you're sharing with people the truth of the gospel. But also those challenges that are brought up. Those things that are brought up against the faith you begin to have to have answers for them when you go out and are ready to give a defense for the hope that is within you as Peter says in first Peter chapter 3 verse 15 the only way to be ready to give that defense is if you actually give it and you put yourself in position to actually be able to give that and I do believe a lot of that has to do with the way you live your life and the hope that you have in the risen savior and so when we look at this not only for Muslims but just for anybody that we're sharing the gospel with One of the great things that happens is that you start developing your theology. And I try to explain this to people all the time when it comes to apologetics and so forth, that a robust theology, having a robust understanding of what the Bible says and who God is, is going to make you pregnant with apologetics. You, you will have them in you because you understand the true article. You know exactly what the scriptures say, and so you are able to deliver them. So when someone comes up and takes a verse out of context, you're like, I've read that 50 times. There's no way you can try this because if you read even the first 20 verses before or the, or the 20 verses after, you're going to be able to answer those questions, those things, every lofty thing brought up against the knowledge of God, every speculation. And you can bring it captive to the obedience of Christ. And the way we do that is to bring it back to the word of God. So how does this deal with us? Okay, so for me, I was going out and I was sharing the gospel, and I realized that the people that I was sharing with over and over, and the ones that would challenge me over and over, and I'd have to go look up and research and so forth, were Muslims on the street of Santa Monica. In fact, it got so bad out there that they decided they were going to set up a booth every week because they got tired of the Christian evangelists out there, and they did, and I preoccupied most of my time with going back and forth and debating different things and different tactics, and That was when I started looking up different apologists and different testimonies of Muslims who came to faith, and interestingly enough, after months and months of sharing the gospel with Muslims in different ways, I was invited with Pastor Joe and his family when my wife and I, now wife, uh, began courting, and we went out to do some mission work throughout Europe in Germany, Italy, Austria, and Holland. And when we got to Holland, Joe was doing some filming, and one of the ministries that was there was a ministry called 222 Ministries, and I had shared my testimony with two of the people from the ministry, and they said, hey, we'd love to film this and put it uh, as a testimonial, we'll translate it into Farsi, and we actually send it to Iran to be, to watch. And I was like, wow. So, the first time I ever really did any sort of public filming ministry was actually sharing my testimony in order to give that testimony to people in Iran, Muslims in Iran, so they could come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so, my heart over and over again was drawn towards those of the Muslim faith because I wanted to see them come to true salvation in Christ. And so, when I deliver this, when I share to you how I like to share with Muslims and the reason I like to share with Muslims, I hope that can be a benefit to you because this is just my testimony of sharing with them over and over again, and I have no idea the amount of encounters I've able to been able to have with Muslims. But one of the biggest reasons I love sharing with Muslims is because for many of you, maybe you have a difficult time walking up to someone and saying, hey, are you on the road to heaven? And I only say that because we actually have a track, are you on the road to heaven, that a lot of the people here and you guys know we have the 511 Street team. We go out, we've gone out all over the country, and we'll actually be going out to Costa Rica. So, hope soon enough we'll go out all over the world sharing the gospel with whoever we can. And the track that we love to use is the one from Good Fight Ministries, written by Pastor Joe Schimmel. And it's called Are You On the Road to Heaven? And it's a great question as an opener to start Are You On the Road to Heaven? But a lot of times what you may find, as I find, is that a lot of people don't actually want to talk to you. A lot of people don't want to get into these conversations, So sometimes it can be uncomfortable and so forth. What I've loved and have found to be true when it comes to me sharing with my Muslim neighbor is the fact that, guess what? They actually want to talk to you about this, and they don't mind it. And so when I open up those conversations, I actually have some back and forth, and that's something... That I enjoy. I enjoy going back and forth with someone who actually cares about eternality, someone who actually cares about what's gonna happen after we die. Because apathetic religion is one of the most dangerous things, and plenty of atheists and agnostics are apathetic. You know, we recently did an interview with dr clay jones and dr clay jones wrote the book immortality and he also wrote the book why does god allow evil both of them are very very good and he said a lot of people complain about sports stars and movie stars about how much they get paid he's like but they have the most important job distracting the atheist or the one who doesn't believe in the afterlife or so forth distracting them with the fact that we're going to die one day and that is true and a lot of people push that off to the side but when it comes to Muslims, they will sh- they will talk with you if you're ready to share and you're ready to talk. Most Muslims that I found were willing to tell me about their faith. And so One of the ways I love to do that is simply ask them questions. And I think this is really, really important. And I want to start here with explaining to you some of the nature of most of the exchanges. And I disagree with what takes place a number of the times. Because what typically takes place when a Muslim and a Christian begin talking about their faith is the Muslim is on the attack and the Christian is on the defense. And there is nothing wrong with apologetics, right? There is nothing wrong with giving a defense— For the hope that is within you and taking people to scripture say no that's actually not what that says it says this here but not enough christians actually have an offense actually know enough about the quran in order to say to someone hey this is an issue they don't know enough about the history of the quran how it was written and so forth they don't know enough about muhammad himself to know what to bring up to a muslim And so I think there are a number of resources, and we can share those in the description of different apologists and so forth that do a great job of not only defending the faith of Jesus Christ, defending the Bible, the scriptures, and so forth, but also do a good job of going after some of the doctrines that are just not true concerning Islam. And so I want to give you uh, a couple of different ways, and I have a number of different ways that I can share with you that I like to begin a conversation and, and go forth, and it can go a number of different ways. In fact, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, I believe, are some of the best scriptures concerning our hearts towards witnessing, having a, praying with a spirit of thanksgiving and so forth. And then one of one of the things it says is that we are supposed to speak with grace, as though seasoned with salt. Something that happens, we should speak with grace, shouldn't just be yelling at people. We should speak with grace, as though seasoned with salt. Now, salt. What happens is, salt cleanses, right? If it gets in a wound, it will cleanse that wound. But guess what? It will burn. It will hurt. And so we want to make sure that we do season with salt. We don't want to be salt seasoned with grace, right? We want to be grace as though seasoned with salt. And guess what it also says? So you know how to give an answer to each person. I do not believe that witnessing is some cookie cutter thing. You just say these 10 questions and that's you sharing the gospel. That's not what I see in Jesus. When he came to the Pharisees, he was pretty harsh on them, right? When he's at the woman at the well, he does call her out for a sin, but he's very loving with her. There are times when Jesus comes out and he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light and so forth. And there are some of the times when he calls people brood of vipers. So there are not, it's not just one cookie cutter method. And when it comes to us sharing with Muslims, I think there are a number of different ways. So this isn't going to be just one of them. Hopefully it would be a blessing to you, but we need to get to a place where we can at least have a few, maybe Quranic texts. We could have uh, some scripture that we go to to say, hey, this is why I don't trust that Muhammad was a true prophet of God. Having a little bit of history in your back pocket does not hurt, right? Let's, let's get into that a little bit. And you can go and go to the link in the description that Tony will put in there about the three Quranic verses that David Wood says that Christians should know that, are, that is on our Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel. And all three of the ones that I'll show you, I, I'm, I might just go over a couple, but a couple of the ones I'm going to show you are in that one. And I want to explain how I like to use them because it is good to ask a Muslim why they believe the things which they believe. And this is not just for Muslims, whether it's Mormon Jehovah's Witness, an atheist, so forth. One of the great questions that we can ask somebody when we're sharing the gospel is, why do you believe that is true? And I hope as Christians we have an answer for why we believe this is true. The Word of God is the Word of God. We have an answer for the faith that we believe in. We have an answer in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have something to hold on to, that we have a God that— Is not like the gods of the nations, but he can tell the end from the beginning. We have a prophetic God that actually tells us what happens, and we can trust him and know that his word is true. And so I think that's that's awesome that we have that and we should have that. But what about when we ask them? What about when we ask them, hey, tell me what convinced you Islam was true? That's a question that I love to ask Muslims. Because a lot of times, and I can give you an example, because this just took place— the last time I was witnessing to a family of Muslims, when I asked them why they believed that was true, instead of telling me why they believe the Quran is true, why Muhammad is a true prophet, they said, Well, the Bible says. I said, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me stop you there. You know, I just want to ask you, Why do you believe it's true? Not why do you believe the Bible is false, why do you believe it's true? And a lot of him hawing and so forth, but I have to ask those questions because let's get into the nitty gritty. What made you become a Muslim? And I think that's really, really important because I think for us as Christians, if we don't know that answer, we need to actually sit down and think about that. In fact, we did a project here uh, at the youth group here. I sat down all of the youth group. In fact, Josh is in one of those videos here. He's one of the editors here where I asked every kid in the youth group, why do you believe Christianity is true? And we took the video of every single kid in the youth group and got those answers. And then we were able to sit down and say, hey, this is why you should know it's true. Don't trust your parents, right? Ezekiel 18 tells us that there's no trailer hitch theology. You don't get to have salvation because you hitch it to your parents' trailer and so forth. So we need those answers. Let's ask them those answers. And be ready to share your testimony of when you came to understand That Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through him. Ask those questions. And then ask them, this is a great verse to start with. Surah 4, 157. It says this, And for boasting, we killed the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, the messenger of Allah. But they neither killed him nor did crucified him. It was only made to appear so. Even those who argue for this crucifixion are in doubt. They have no knowledge whatsoever only making assumptions. They certainly did not kill him. So I believe this text right here, Surah 4, 157, gets you into a conversation where you can try out the Socratic method in asking why is that true 600 years later after every biography that we have written about Jesus, why every single source outside of the New Testament, whether it's the Roman sources, the Jewish sources in terms of, obviously Pliny the Younger in terms of you know Josephus, in terms of the Jewish sources, all of them say Jesus was crucified. So Muslims have a couple of different ways that they try to answer this. One of them is from a Gnostic text that would say that it only made it to appear. So Judas is actually one who was crucified. There's other in Islam who believes it was Simon of Cyrene and so forth. But the fact is, is that this surah says that Jesus didn't, didn't die on the cross. We need to ask why you would believe that when every other source says otherwise. When the fact is that every Christian ever, even the cults, think about that, even those in Jehovah's Witness and so forth and, and Mormons, even they believe Jesus died on the cross. Who on earth, the pagans say it, the Jews, the unbelieving Jews say it, the Christians say it, every single person says it. But 600 years later, Muhammad comes and says, no, that's not true. Why should I believe that? Why should I come to a place where I believe that what every single testimony of the Scriptures, every single one of them, is actually not true? And here is where we can start what is called the Islamic dilemma. Because what the Islamic dilemma basically says is that the, the Quran itself... Actually says that the Bible has been preserved and that Allah is the one who handed it down. In Surah 29:46, it says, We believe in what has been revealed to us and to you. Our God is one, and to him we must submit. In Surah 3, 3 through 4, it says, Allah has revealed the Torah, the Gospels, and even compares it to the Quran. In Surah eighteen twenty-seven, it says there is none who can change Allah's word. In Surah seven one fifty-seven, it says that Allah is the one who's given the Torah and the Gospel, and that is where Muhammad is found. And let me tell you, Muhammad is actually found in the scriptures, not in John chapter sixteen or fourteen or fifteen. Right? It actually says of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Muslims do believe that Muhammad is what's being talked about in John 16 concerning the Holy Spirit. Granted, it says that the Holy Spirit is among you and he will be in you. Uh, that makes for a really awkward look at that scripture, uh, not the fulfillment that actually takes place when you get into Acts chapter 2. But nonetheless, Muhammad is actually talked about in scripture. But let's get to that a little bit later. We have the Quran specifically saying this, Surah 547, let the people of the gospel, the jail, Judge by the light of the gospel. So we are supposed to judge whether or not Muhammad is a truer or false prophet based on the gospel. It says in Surah 568, stand fast by the Torah, the gospel, and all of revelation that has come from Allah. And in Surah 1094, it says, if Muhammad is in doubt, if you're in doubt of Muhammad, ask those who read the book before them, the people of the book. So the problem is, is that the Quran tells us quite clearly that the Bible has been preserved. It tells us that Allah's word cannot be corrupted. And when somebody tells you, a Muslim, that the Bible has been corrupted, it never says that in the Quran. It says that people in their own minds have corrupted things, but not that the Bible has been corrupted. It actually affirms the preservation of the Quran. So then we can go back to the question 600 years prior. We have very clearly everything that was written says that Jesus was crucified, that Jesus rose from the dead. Over and over again in the Gospels, we have Jesus as not only the Son of God, but God himself, John 8, 24, John 8, 58, and elsewhere, John 20, 28, Acts 20, 28, all of these verses proclaiming without a doubt that Jesus is not only the Son of God, but God himself. He is the great I am. He is Yahweh. And so when we look at this and when we see this and we see a direct contradiction from Surah 4, 157, we see that obviously something's not lining up here. Your book says Allah's word can't be corrupted. Your book says Allah is the one who gave us the scriptures, the very things that we hold to today. And he's, according to the Quran, he, they were supposed to judge by the light of the gospel they were given. Well, the light of the gospel says this, not only... Do we have the light of the gospel clearly saying that Jesus died on the cross? Jesus also prophesied that he was going to die, and his disciples weren't too happy about that before he did, and then prophesied that he would be raised again on the third day. And so we look at these things, we see that the scriptures clearly teach that, and that the Quran specifically teaches something absolutely positively different. So what do we do with this? How do we talk to our Muslim friend and say, why would you believe something that would say something like this? This doesn't make any sense. And we say to ourselves, what would the Bible say concerning someone who would bring this message? Here's what it says. As I said and mentioned earlier, Muhammad is prophesied in the scriptures. It's in 1 John chapter 2, when it's talking about the Antichrist that will come. It says, many Antichrists. It says, plurally, right, singular, you know that Antichrist is coming, but many Antichrists have entered into the world already. And what is the spirit of Antichrist? He who denies the Father and the Son. Quite clearly, if someone denies the Father and the Son, they are Antichrist. is exactly what Islam does. It denies the Father and the Son. It does not understand the Incarnation. It thinks that God had to sleep with Mary and so forth in the Quran. And it's absolutely wrong. It's not what the Incarnation teaches. So we have to ask ourselves this. And I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. When we went through Europe on the same trip I mentioned earlier... One of the things we were doing was traveling from Germany all the way to Italy. And you did that on the train. I believe it's a number of hours, maybe seven hours or so, we were going to be on a train. Now, in Germany, we were right on Lake Knixie, and we were in this hotel room. And the hotels in Germany, or at least this one, is far different than what we are used to in the States. Specifically, having a lobby that's open 24 hours. And what happened was... Our taxi driver that was supposed to come came before the lobby opened and we missed our taxi and therefore we missed our train ride. So we got put in a box with a new person inside that box with us. And inside that box was a somebody that was added into our group that was going to be sitting with us for a number of hours. And while sitting with us, he tells us his story that when he was a young man in Italy He was a heroin addict, he had a needle in his arm, and he looked into a mirror, and Jesus spoke to him and said to him, do you want to live or do you want to die? Very similar to what happened in Deuteronomy chapter 30, setting life and death before you, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you will live. He said on the spot he quit heroin and never did it again. But a number of years passed, and he fell in love with an Indonesian woman who happened to be a Muslim. So he had converted to Islam. So this man who had converted to Islam was now stuck on a train ride with Pastor Joe Schimmel and myself and the rest of the family having to get witness to for a number of hours. And I remember the words at the very end that Joe used, not only quoting 1 John 2, and that's what he did, exactly what I just expressed to you, but he said these words, and it's something that has stuck with me and I've used for a number of years. He said, I want you to picture this. As I've shown you over, the, over and over again in the scriptures, it is very contradictory to what, what the Quran says 600 years after. Why would it have any good testimony for us to actually trust? And when I look at it, check this out. You imagine I'm a father with children. And as a father, I go to my children and I say, look at my face. Look at my face. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. This is who I am. Don't forget who I am. I must go, but I am coming back. And guess what? While I'm gone, there will be one that comes. And when he comes, he will tell you he is your real father. He is not your real father. And he here is what he will say and lays out exactly what that person would say. Imagine the father comes after that journey to come welcome his child back. And when he gets there, he looks and sees that father playing with his children. How is he going to feel? And that is when Joe took him. The first John chapter two, and expressed to him exactly what I just expressed here in this show. The fact is, is that over 600 years before Muhammad ever stepped on the scene, in first John, the one, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that disciple wrote in the very beginning of that chapter what we have seen, what we have touched with our own hands, not some story 600 years later, what we have looked at, what we have held, what had manifested every way that John can make it specific so we understand that he saw and touched and felt and heard Jesus, he wasn't taking somebody's witness 600 years later, that that God is light in him, knows there is no darkness at all. He goes through that. But what he says in 1 John chapter 2, not only to say that he was a body and so forth, but that Antichrist will come and deny that father and son relationship. And so when God gives us specific instructions 600 years prior to this liar. The fact is, is that we need to listen to them and recognize what the Father is going to do to those who fall for this. Because it's not just, oh, I I grew up in this area and this is what it was. The fact is the Holy Spirit goes out into the whole world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It convicts the whole world. The fact is, if somebody is willing to go after and seek after God as they would find treasure and precious silver, they will find and come to the knowledge of God. That's according to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. If somebody desires to do the will of God, they will know if Christ's doctrine is from God. That's according to John 7, 17. We know that the judge of all the earth will always do what is right. We know that God does not leave himself ever without a witness. But I'm asking you today, are you supposed to be those hands and feet that are witnessing to your Muslim neighbor? Are you supposed to share with them the truth of the gospel, the fact that the only righteous one, Jesus Christ, he he and he alone, we can be forgiven our sins because of his debt or our debt that was paid on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin, right? So we might become the righteousness of God. We get to have that. In Islam, there's no righteousness of God. In fact, it's arbitrary. In fact, it's a scale, weight, good versus bad. Which one is it? But Christ came to make the payment for sin and that he wouldn't just leave us in a state where we, we live a, a wicked life, but he would give us the Holy Spirit, not Muhammad, but the Holy Spirit, which would guide us into all truth, that not only would be amongst us, but would be in us. The promise of the gospel is a true promise and the love of Christ is a true love. If you read the Quran, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find dictations. You're going to find statements, things that don't make sense. The entire book is not in chronological order. It's in order of size, basically, after the first chapter. And it's not always going to make sense. But when you read the Bible, you see very clearly who Christ is, what he did for you, and what you need to do to be saved. God bless.
0: You've been listening to The Good Fight Radio Show, brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at one 866 truth That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.